0: You're listening to Modern Mia, the podcast that tells the stories and discusses the topics that matter most to black professional women and mothers. My name is Antonia Akatunde, and I'm the founder of ModernMia.com. And with me in the studio today, we have Nana Aysen-Akiwowo and Antonia Dean. Uh, Nana Aysen-Akiwowo is the founder and president of African Health Now, a nonprofit organization she started in 2005 to promote health care for people of pan-African descent living in the U.S. and on the continent. In the 11 years she has presided over AHN, transforming public spaces into medical clinics and bringing health services and life-saving information directly to African communities that need it, over 20,000 children and adults have received free health screenings, preventative counseling, and medical supplies.
1: Hi, Nana. Hey, how's it going? Good, good.
0: <laughs> and you're also the mom of an adorable two year old girl.
1: She is three now. Oh, three? Wow. Yes, she's an adult.
0: <laughs> She'll have you know that. I'm sure she does. <laughs> and what's your daughter's name?
1: Her name is Omolara Abna Akiwowo.
0: <laughs> she's so beautiful, too, and so smart. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and our other guest is Antonia Dean, who is a dynamic marketing strategist and brand builder. Antonia has robust experience in all aspects of marketing, brand creation, and brand management. Antonia has helped launch new products and shape the strategies for some of the world's most coveted brands, including Calvin Klein, Mustela, Vera Wang, Michael Kors, among others. Welcome. Thank you. you.
2: make me sound pretty dope. No, you are pretty
0: dope. <laughs> Those
2: are some amazing brands. So welcome to the show. And you are the mother of a son. Yes. A almost one-year-old. He'll be one in about uh, two and a half weeks. Oh, wow. His name is Tyson. Um, and he has a lot of personality for Aww. his 11 months on this planet. Yes. <laughs> How would you describe his personality? Um, He's interestingly very independent. Mm. Um. But loves to have fun. He's pretty silly for his age. Like he loves to play and laugh and have fun. And our latest diversion is opening and closing the bathroom door.
0: Oh, cool. I mean, that was which a free phenomenon. fun at home. <laughs> free fun. <laughs>
2: um, and he loves it and thinks it's the funniest thing on the planet. So that's awesome. <laughs> we spent a lot of time opening and closing the bathroom door. Well, happy
0: early birthday and also happy early one-year anniversary of being a mom to you. Thank you. <laughs> So you did, never thought of it that way, did you? Sure didn't. Yeah, I, I think I said that to my friend who um, who is a mom of a one year old. Like every time we reach out to her, we're always texting her, like, show us pictures of the baby. We don't really care about you. We just want to see your baby. And then on the on his first birthday, I was just like, you know, this has been like a major change for you as well. Like, congratulations on this first year. <laughs> Many of returns of on survival. the survival of survival. I can't I can't imagine. Um, which is actually a good segue into the topic we're gonna to be talking about today. Um, you know, how you change as a woman from being single to then being married and then becoming a mom. But before we get into that topic, I'd like to talk to you guys about one very pressing issue that's been coming up over the last couple of of uh months. Kind of forever, but um, in in light of the Oscars and uh, the Nina Simone biopic, that I can't make myself watch the trailer <laughs> because I just I don't like being angry all the time. Um, this idea of um, wanting to see yourself reflected in the the movies and, and content that you, you see, and also wanting to make sure that your kids are also seeing um, themselves reflected in the media that they're uh, consuming and why that matters. Um, so I guess my first question is, do you guys have a stance on what your kids are exposed to to help them um, see themselves?
1: Uh, yeah, for me, uh, me and my husband, it's been a constant conversation. Because, you know, you we have a little girl. And like always, all little girls are going to just fall in love with a Disney princess. And I don't know how that happens. I don't know where it starts. But one day she's like, I'm Rapunzel. And you're like, who? And <laughs> um, so we get the movie. We watch it. And we're like, oh, this is going to be tragic. And it was Rapunzel. It was a classic thing of Rapunzel. So we go and find a book. To, which was like a Caribbean Rapunzel. Mm. So it had a nice brown girl and it had a nice Caribbean, West Indian feel to it. And I was like, her husband and I was like, it's great in a book because we read it to her, but it would be more impactful if it was an actual cartoon, if it was an actual visual thing. Because the way she watches and consumes Frozen, Rapunzel, Dora, whomever, or whatever the new cartoon movie is, it's a lot. She gets more of that time than she does reading time or it's more in it's it's more ingrained in her in her psyche because of the visuals. And we've been coming against it. You know, I don't know how many ways you can watch The Princess and the Frog, which was like the only she's the only brown Disney character. Right. And if she has to watch that, but she has all these other things, it just becomes this issue. So we've just been internally in our household trying to figure out ways to create or find new images for her to identify with because I do have a brown skin chocolate baby with a nice 4C curl, and it's never going to roll down her back like... It might, but it's not like that right now. Yeah. It's not rolling down like Rapunzel's out there. It's just not. It's a, it's a TWA, <laughs> and so it's just not right now. <laughs> and she really wants it to roll down her back like Rapunzel. And her mom's bald-headed, so I just don't even know why she thinks it's feasible. But <laughs> in her three-year-old mind, she thinks it's real feasible right now. <laughs> So, yeah, I do think that outside of just uh, major films, it it's the cartoon, it's animations, it's all of those things people want to see themselves reflected in. You know, The Jungle Book is great, but, um, you know, that's just one. What do you have? The Princess and the Frog is another one. So you really don't have that many other cartoons for kids to watch. Yeah. Or, you know, young movies
2: for them to watch. Yeah.
0: What about you, Antonia? I know your son's really young, but is that already a
2: concern that you have? It definitely is in the sense that um, I'm raising a boy, so it's a little bit different. Um, His sense of self-worth and self-esteem are not going to be so tied into what he looks um, as if he was a girl. It's just so much harder for girls. Um, But at the same time, I do want him to appreciate and understand the fullness and beauty of what women can look like of all shapes, of all sizes, of all colors, particularly on the brown end of the spectrum. My son is black on both sides of his family. He has a curly afro. People ask me, oh, is he... No, he is black. He is going to be a black man. He has a black mother, black aunts, a black cousin, black grandmothers. He is black, (laughs) and I want... To make sure that he sees the beauty in that. So that should... You know, his choice in who he decides to love is his choice completely. But I do want him to know and go into the world seeing that a chocolate brown baby with a teeny weeny afro is just as beautiful as a girl who has the Rapunzel hair. And because of the society in which we live it's going to take a lot more effort for me to course correct and make sure I'm putting those images in front of him versus just being able to flip on the TV. So we watch Dora and Doc McStuffins and Paw Patrol. Like, I'm not really into too many other (laughs) characters because I want him to see brown characters on screen that are doing things. Unfortunately, there is no cartoon that I'm aware of that has a black male or brown male lead there's Diego I'm not a fan of Diego so also side note he <laughs> watches things I can stand to watch right because if you've watched these kids shows some of them are terrible and they don't when you, nobody wants to say it I'm like this is just not good TV the monster um,
1: truck one has a brown boy uh, oh, Blaze in the Monster Baze Machine. Blaze and the Monster Machine has a brown boy. Or okay. at least he looks brown. Okay. He does Good look he brown. He yes, yes, he does look I brown. I have seen that a And bit. has a nice little... His hair isn't like a swoop over. It's like a curl. It's like a three curls. Okay. So I'm thinking... <laughs>
2: he's has <got> a <laughs> little... they trying. are <laughs> trying. trying. But it's definitely, you know, to your point, it's still a compelling <laughs> question because as a, a mother of brown children, you have to start thinking about what are they consuming and I can read him all of the books with brown characters that I can, Which there but aren't that many of. There aren't yeah. that many of. Yeah. There's way easier to find animals than it is brown... Which is so ...children upsetting. characters, yeah. yeah, which is upsetting, but at the same time the whole... He's not even a year old, but he knows how to swipe his thumb across mm-hmm. my phone. Mm-hmm. If someone's queuing up something on the TV, he's breaking his neck to watch it. So there's a certain level that a book just can't compete with, Yeah. Um, compete with the screen. So I want to make sure there are brown faces on those screens so that he has kind of a full picture of what his potential in the world is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And to the point about even books, and I know this isn't the, the ask, but then you think, well, if I can't find it in visual, I will go and find a book. And then you scour Barnes and Noble's for hours on end and you're like, two books, three books, four books. And for me, you know, you know, you you're saying you watch Dora the Dora, Doc, and Paw Patrol. Oh my lot after that, she's like, that's it. She doesn't get anything else to see other brown girls. So when we look for books, we're also not found finding brown girls in books. And so it's just a continuous cycle of how do we create literature art stories for our kids to you know relate to yeah and so it's been um you know i think there's been this one girl uh marley ds who started this 1000 black girl books and it's been amazing and i'm fortunate that you know my organization took marley to ghana for their first trip to got to africa wow, that's amazing and so it was, but for, for it was amazing on multiple levels for me because it was opportunity for one, for them to be you know health advocates for African health. Now, great, but also for my little girl to see these little girls, in a different light and relate to them. And even though she's two, or at the time she was two, the questions she asked, the way she saw them being assertive and having fun and things like that, were, like it was just so amazing because I saw I saw the continent and experienced Ghana through the eyes of children. And it was just really beautiful. And then they came back and articulated that experience to other kids. And so it's kind of this weird thing where it's like, I'm not going to find it in TV. So now I have to create a culture around my kid that allows her to see the beauty in herself. Because yeah. I'm not... I, I can't wait for Hollywood to create it, and I'm not a filmmaker, so I'm not going... And I can't add that to my things to do. So I'm not going <laughs> to The list is already My too list long. is already too long. I can't add filmmaker to that. So it's like, you know, the other, the other option is to create the story around. To your point, you know, surround your kid with role models and icons of beauty that he or she can relate to outside of, you know, mainstream media.
0: I love that because... You think that it takes a while for kids to to pick up on things, but they don't. They're so 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 quick. They're sponges
1: from that very early
0: age. From the very earliest age. Yeah. Something that comes up in past conversations that we've had on the site or on Facebook is this idea, to your point of um, how do you create what you want your your kid to soak up if you're in a community that is largely white. Mm -hmm. So what, what kind of messages are you giving your kids to take along with them? while they're hanging out and going on play dates with uh with their white friends. Is that something that you've already had to Totally. Yeah.
1: It's a, you know, com- point in case I am I'm not a I'm not a girly girl. I'm not like a real girly girl. I like a good makeup. i give a good beat face. I'm usually going to be in pants and ironically Nana's beat is
2: impeccable right now. <laughs> you can't see it on the podcast, but I'm about 8 inches away. Thank you away. very much. <laughs> Thank <It's> you.
1: But <laughs> On Like, I'm not going to, I don't want to wear a dress. I I really just don't want to. I feel really, I can't sit like this with my legs in crisscross applesauce on a couch (laughs) randomly in a dress. Right. So, I have this little girl who I am, and I shop for her the way I shop for myself. So, I look for these cool moments. So, long story short, my kid has been, she's fresh. She's got cool, funky sneakers. She got dunks. She has, like, sparkly shoes. She got tutus. She got this. But a lot of it is not. She's not wearing the Rapunzel dress to school. Like, we actually... I'm not, I'm not even... I'm not for it. I don't believe in wearing the Rapunzel Disney dress or the Frozen actual... Oh, like an Elsa. The Elsa dress. Yeah. I don't believe in her wearing it to school, which is my belief. So in her class, there are other girls that their parents allow them to wear that, and that's fine. But unfortunately, the message that comes back to my three-year-old is that girls wear dresses, so then when you put on a denim shirt on my daughter, she breaks out into a like a, an emotional tantrum. I'm not a boy, mommy, I'm a girl. And I was like, yeah, but if you wear a denim shirt doesn't make you a boy, it just means you got on a denim shirt. Mommy's, and I'm, I'm having these conversations and I'm battling image with a three-year-old. And I just thought that at three, I could just dress her how I want to dress her and get out of the house and move on. But no, she's like, no, girls wear dresses, mommy. And she names the girls in her class and she's like, so and so wears dresses. And so and so wears dresses. And you're like, damn, <laughs> <laughs> you ain't finna wear that dress, though. You're yeah. just not wearing that. <laughs> so we just, mommy's gonna go buy you some regular dresses. <laughs> right. But we're not finna wear that dress. And she's like, I, but she still correlates it with that dress. Like, if I'm not in a princess dress, I'm not a girl. And I'm like, this is gonna be a hard eighteen years, homie. You ain't never wearing that dress. School. Good luck, Chuck. You're is it making no you
0: guys think about the way you think of uh, diversity in your own life, or the way you absorb representations in the past versus
1: now?
2: Um, it definitely is. So, so my husband and I, we live here in New York City. We have one. Um, anyone who lives in New York City knows that the number of children you choose to have is as much a financial decision as it is a family planning decision. As so the, we're having really honest yeah. conversations about do we stay in the city? Do we get a bigger apartment here? Do we move to the suburbs? Um Do we move to another place? And one of my big things is my husband is very much like, well, we'll just move to Jersey. We'll move to the suburbs. It'll be fine. But I'm like. Not shaking her head like, no. Well, that's the thing. I'm like. (laughs) Don't you leave that that city. uh, Girl, (laughs) I'm going to give you his email. But that's the thing. I'm like. um, So he grew up upstate, but he grew up in a a very um, black neighborhood in a city. I grew up, my family is originally from Philadelphia, but we lived in Delaware because that's where my dad worked. So I kind of saw the best of both worlds. Grew up in very black neighborhoods in West Philadelphia, going to my grandmother's house, which now that I realize at the time I thought it was vacation for me, it was very intentional. One, y'all are going to be back around, you know, your roots, where Mm -hmm. you came from, people who look like you. Two, you're going to get up out of my house because I need a break. Break. (laughs) I I thought it was a gift for me. I did not realize that my parents were probably, like, drinking champagne while we were gone. (laughs) Um, But having that perspective, it changes my thoughts on moving to the suburbs because I'm like, my parents aren't you know, a 30-minute drive away the mm-hmm. way that my grandparents were for me. So there's not that option to just drop our kids back off in the city with someone that we trust implicitly with our child. So if we move to the suburbs, the chances are my child is going to grow up a very in a very white existence. Yep. So then it becomes what are the cognizant choices you're making to make sure that he not only relates to his people, that he doesn't feel distant from his culture. Like I said, we are black and we're very black. Both sides of my family are extremely, extremely black. So how does he relate to that in a way that he doesn't feel like he's trying to be something that he's not or that he has to change the way that he is around his friends versus around his family? Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer, but they're very big questions to start thinking about of... And, you know, also, I'm I'm raising a black son. So what does that mean for him to be in suburban America? You know, he's one now, but my husband is six feet tall. So Mm -hmm. he will probably end up being larger and taller than other people that he is around. What does that mean? Um, I brought him into my office right before I was coming back from maternity leave. And I remember someone said to me, and she was saying it as a compliment, oh, he's so big, he's so strong. And it set me back on my heels a little bit because I'm thinking of Tamir Rice and people seeing a 12-year-old and yep. seeing a man. And I'm like, whoa, this baby is 12 weeks old and you've already decided to to he's categorize as, him as, as big, big and, and strong. strong. Yeah. So going... what does that mean when he's 14? Yep. What does that mean when he actually might be big and strong? Yep. And how do I give him the tools to be able to navigate the world and survive in a place where people may see a 14-year-old big, strong boy and mm-hmm. be threatened? So part of me feels like I would like to stay... We live in Harlem. I would like to stay in Harlem because some of that... Culture is there. Some of that culture is there. Yeah. And the people who do live there, although it is changing, the people who do live there are... He's not going to be the only young black boy walking down the street. Yeah. But again, Harlem is expensive. So. Yeah, yeah. So these are real questions, and I don't know what the answer to those things yeah. are.
1: They are. And then now living in the suburb, for me... And we live in Cliffside Park, so which is like supposed to be like Jersey City, Edgewater, that whole space. But the same conversation is is that she is usually around, if not family, she's in a she's in a classroom where she's maybe one of two, you know, African American kids. And we try to say it's not a big issue and try to figure out things to do on the weekend, but I recognize how difficult it is to find really great experiences in Jersey for her to do. Um, so you then end up coming into the city and you come up you know, doing things like that. But I, I, you know, being from Brooklyn and knowing how I was raised, I kind of felt the same way you feel. Like I want her to have this both of the best of both worlds kind of experience. And right now I feel like she's only having um, right now, I, right now I feel like we're doing a good enough job maintaining her having exposure to other cultures, especially because we are African. And so being able to be around her grandparents and her aunties and uncles and hear people speaking Yoruba or, you know, be around my aunties and uncles and hear people speaking tree, she has that. Um, And it helps reaffirm it. But it's a conscious decision to make sure that that happens every day. Where some people can just live their lives freely and just be like, you know, we do what we want to do. I, we have to make well what did she do last weekend all right where are we gonna go this weekend we have to have something for her to do she can't just not do something
2: yeah yeah so if I can make a public service announcement do I it. would love for all of the dope professional educated brown people to pick one place to live and we all, <laughs> all there. live there <laughs> I I am on a campaign I have friends that move to Montclair so I'm like is this it are we is all, this it are we all, are we moving all coming to Montclair? here because it's I mean, it's something that we did used to do because we had to. We had no other place to live. And there's something that is so missing, that sense of community, of truly being able to, like, you know, walk down the street and people know who you are Mm -hmm. and be able to play and be able to be in these rich, diverse, cultural areas, um and the choices are do you stay somewhere that's very expensive do you stay somewhere that's maybe not that expensive but not that safe and not have all the great public services yeah. or do you try to give your kids the better the best thing that you can give them while understanding that you're they're not getting something else that you may have gotten yeah
1: it's a constant juggle it's a constant decision and i think that if, i guess at some point it'll lead to the original conversation what were, you know the transition is that that's the things that you didn't think you had no. to think about when you were single yeah when you were just you know me. never never and I, about never thought, it. I never thought i never thought about family like i just i don't know if i i don't think i thought I was gonna be single forever I didn't think I was gonna get married I didn't think about it i, I guess i you know what i mean like not that it wasn't going to happen but it wasn't a thought process and so when it all starts to happen and you're looking at your partner you're like you went to an all white school? Is that what you did? And he was like, Yeah. And I was like, How'd that work out? <laughs> so you want her to do the same thing? And he's yeah. like, Well, it's about, and I'm like, I don't and, and we're public school, private school, and yeah. we're like having these it's debates. All informing the conversation. All informing that you guys the conversation. Charter school, this. And you're like, I didn't think about any of this. No. God had I known. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So that was a really great point. And we'll take this time to take a break and relax before we get into those conversations that you guys are having between being single ladies to being married to being moms. Jesus, (laughs) We'll be right back. All right, and we are back for our main discussion, which was inspired by a video that we did with Nana a few, a few, months, a few years ago, where I asked her what was something that she wished people would have told her about becoming a mom before she became a mom. A and Nana, what did you say?
1: I wish those happens would have been honest. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Because everyone just had this like, it's so amazing. It's so beautiful. And I was like, really? Oh my God, I can't wait. And then they give you the baby and you come home and you're like, oh shit. <laughs>
0: what? This and is not how it was advertised This is to me. not how it
1: was advertised. And though it is amazing. It is the best thing I've ever done. It is all of that but it was also the scariest emotional psychological transition I'd ever gone through in my life it was like you give so much of yourself during this time and you know you, you've carried this person for nine months whatever and, and not, not even the carry the, the, for some women for me there was a struggle to get to the baby so I get to the baby I have her awesome got me a baby Now I carry this thing in my body and I'm like, don't move because you can't lose it. Don't move. And you're like in this constant state of like fear. If I run too fast, if I walk too fast, especially if you had uh, either a miscarriage prior to giving birth or you had trouble giving trouble conceiving. Okay, you for me and I should speak from I'm going to speak from the south. For me, I was always like guarding myself and feeling weird. So it was a beautiful pregnancy, but it was also intense and then you have this baby it's here you're excited and then you it milks you it physically attaches to your body and it's like "Eh, eh, 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 eh," and it takes all this milk and then you're you're in that process you're thinking about All your friends are doing things and they're going out and your husband's acting weird sometimes, even though he's really trying to help. But he doesn't know how to help. So he's acting slightly weird. You don't know what to say. Your in-laws are getting on your nerves. Your mother's getting on your nerves. You don't know who you are and you look crazy in the house and all of these things come over you and you're like, nobody told me. Just tell me it's going to be a transition. Yeah. And maybe I think that was maybe it was naive of me to not have expected there to be a transition, but I guess in the conversation with mothers who had gone through it, two kids, two, three kids deep, at some point I wanted someone to honestly say, this shit is hard, Mm -hmm. and you might lose yourself in and out of it. Always find time for yourself. Create a space where you and your partner exist, and you tune other people out. All of these things no one said, and then I was just like, if figuring a, it out on your own I was just figuring own. it out getting yeah. into unnecessary fights having <laughs> these <laughs> random breakdowns in the bathroom crying for no damn reason all of these things yeah. could have been avoided if all the 50 and you chicks know who you are if y'all listen <laughs> you know who you are that I asked very explicit questions to and you all you said was it's beautiful you're alive
0: <laughs> Antonia <gonna> you. <laughs> to that to that point uh what were your personal expectations about motherhood and marriage before you had your son and got married
2: um Hmm. So I generally am one of those people that operate with as little expectation as I can get by on, um, just because I don't really like to spend a lot of mental energy thinking about things I can't control. So I'm me. like, I need to learn how to do that. i need to that I'm tired. tired. teach that lesson. Can yeah. I <laughs> eat some snacks and have a nap? Because if it's going to be what it's going to be regardless, I'm not going to spend the energy on it. But, um... So I have some good friends who have kids, and I don't think anyone sold it to me as, oh, it's beautiful, it's so wonderful. I heard that it's hard, but there's no way to, at least for me, there was no way to wrap my hands around what that hard looked and felt like. Like, I work with a lot of women. I've seen a lot of people, you know, Go through pregnancy, maternity leave, come back to work, sharing things about their children. I've seen them make adjustments. I have good friends. My best friend on the planet um, got pregnant right as she was finishing medical school, started her residency, oh, wow. delivered my niece, went back to work six weeks later, oh my God. planned a wedding, and got married three months after that. And was cute the whole time. <laughs> she was cute the whole time, but in her soul. Exactly. She, and she was honest. She was like, this shit is I hard. I am going to ask if she tell right. you about it. It is it. hard. But seeing someone who is so dynamic be able to do these things, I'm like, well, yeah, it's hard. The same way, like, you know, medical school is hard. But, girl, you did that. So I knew it was going to be hard. The thing that I didn't necessarily appreciate was how much it would change me as a person. Um, in terms of I've never been someone who would think of myself as risk averse. And I won't say that I am risk averse now, but I start to look at things in a different way. Like I distinctly remember I had my son in April, so it was nice out. So I was on maternity leave. I'd be walking up and down the streets with him. And I was like coming back from a doctor's appointment or something random that you fill your time with when you're home with a baby <laughs> all day. And I remember I was crossing the street, like right on the corner from my house, crossing the street. And the light was red and I had a death grip on the stroller because I'm thinking of okay, so what if a car jumps the curb? What if a crazy person pushes my stroller? What if this? What if that? And I've never been the person to see calamity around um, every corner. Every episode of the Law and Order episode. Exactly. For me. Every that episode that, in that my was life. the stuff that turned on instantly. Like, okay, what if this happens? Because I felt this you are here to keep this child alive to keep him safe and to grow him. And if something goes wrong, it's ultimately going to be your fault. So I so that was a transition that I was not expecting and I didn't know to expect and I don't think anyone could have articulated for me just how much it changed. Even crossing the street now like I'm very I look at crossing the street in a different way, and I've been crossing the street since I was like six years old. But like when you're crossing the street with a child, like when people walk too close, I'm like, "Yo, homie, do not walk that close to this stroller. <laughs> you can get it. Like it can <laughs> go down that's at thing any someone point." Can
1: tell you because like so, I have a friend who recently had her a baby in. Um, I think he's he just he t- just turned one in December. Or so, and she, I remember she would call throughout the pregnancy and we would talk and then when she had the baby she started asking real questions like what's going on what do you and and i said to her I, I said the reality is is that every person's res- relationship is going to be different but the realest part about this is that you are changing and you don't even understand the way in which you are changing and everything you do from this day forth is enhanced and every decision you make is enhanced. Every, everything is like you're like, I, I it's like the matrix fingers in your head. Like you're, I don't know how to really explain it, but I put that energy out there for her and not in a space to scare her, but I felt that it was necessary to be honest, that everything as you knew it before, every decision you would make before easily would now change completely. And I think for me, it wasn't that I didn't know it. I just maybe wanted to hear it because if we look at mothers and we look at our friends, you look, I guess it's like an Instagram. Think about it as social media. You're seeing the pretty. Mm-hmm. And so you are constantly seeing these amazing women holding their babies with their laptops. And they're actually, you're actually sending an email while you're holding a two-year-old. And it's it's like fabulous Instagram shot. And it's like, I get it, dumb, mompreneur. Th- th- whatever. And so you're sitting in your pregnancy space and you're like, oh my God, it's gonna be just like that. And then when you have said baby and you try to send said email with said baby on hip and baby throws up on email and knocks phone off and crashes it, you start to feel for me, why am I not doing this right? I saw like sixteen chicks doing this on the gram. Why, right. Why can't <laughs> I get this right? Is it another do I need another tablet? <laughs> What do I need to do? What am I doing wrong? So for me, I think I fed too much into the what it looked like from someone else's perspective, and I was looking at them get it done, go to med school, be amazing mm-hmm. moms, have their hair done, and I asked the question, "How hard is it? How are you doing it all?" And they were just like, "Oh my God, it's just so easy. It's like it's good. Like you know, you and just maybe that's a lie that's a that lie. they <laughs> need. And, and that was the <laughs> that's part a that lie that they need to tell lie. themselves. Yeah, and that's the thing that was such a lie. So when we met, and you were like. And I, Omi was maybe a year. She was just like a year old. And I'd just gone through the whole struggle and f- just finally figuring out what time I could get up early enough to get my makeup on, how, what outfits made sense so that I didn't look like a crazy homeless mother when I dropped her off, how to really talk to my husband and not ostracize him or make him feel like a jerk or get into these random arguments. I just, and I still haven't figured it out, but I had just gotten a grasp of it. And so I was like, I wish they would have just said, "You're gonna fight with your husband unnecessarily. You're gonna get, you're gonna be really, really intense, and you're not gonna really know why. You're gonna want things done in a certain way, and you really don't understand why you want it that way. But it's gonna take time for you to articulate the things you want, and it's gonna take time for you to get back to yourself. But you will eventually get back to yourself, and you should make time to find your way back to yourself." Yeah. Just tell me that. And I just felt like none of the people I had spoken to said that. Maybe one was honest. But and that was after I had the baby. So I was like, she's already she probably just said it last year, really. <laughs> I was like, well, oh, it's too late now.
0: Well to like go back for a little bit, what were you guys like when you were single before oh, okay. the idea of motherhood <laughs> was on the was uh, on the uh, horizon for you?
1: So I'll uh, let you take it. okay. <laughs> I don't want the streets knowing what I was doing. <laughs>
2: Ooh, mother has lived. That's uh, so. (laughs) So what I'll say. So our story is a little bit different. So I didn't necessarily have like the single in the city experience because my husband and I have been together since we were college freshmen. Oh, we literally met during orientation week. Okay. Um. But at that's the a dream. Same, that is a dream. It's work. Uh, <laughs> trust me, to meet someone at 17 Teen. and still be together, together. That is true. When you're in your early 30s, it's, it's work and luck and blessing and some happenstance wow. and all of that. But that said, I never felt like I needed to not be with him, to have the experiences. So I feel like I did have a little bit of that single in the city except for the fact that I was just wasn't dating multiple people. But I lived on my own from the time I was 21 up until he moved in, you know, Five don't, six don't, years ago. Don't tell
1: a number I'm not. Listening.
2: I'm not about to <laughs> date myself.
1: <laughs> your mother's listening. You was like, I thought you said he moved in. <laughs> they moved.
2: Um, but so I like. I lived on my own. I was like, I'm not doing roommates anymore. I traveled. I studied abroad. I went places I wanted to do. I focused on my career. And he did those same things for him too. Like we became fully developed human beings. So while people were like, When are y'all getting married? We're still becoming. I'm still becoming Antonia and the Antonia that can be someone else's partner. Mm -hmm. So what I was like, I was fun. I think I'm still fun. I have less of an outlet to be fun because most days I am at home. But, like, I had a lot of fun. Me and my friends had a lot of fun. We did a lot of fun random stuff. Me and my husband did a lot of fun random stuff um, together. And that's been a bit of a big transition where I'm like, on Snapchat, like I like guacamole. How come I didn't get an invite to like, guacamole, guacamole night? night? Oh yeah, because <laughs> they know I'm not
1: coming. <laughs> but the <laughs> thing is, I might actually come. And I said that to someone because they were they had a girls brunch, and you know that social media is the devil. So I'm like, really? I'm a girl. I have girls brunch. I can drink champagne. I know how to get out. And it was like, oh, I just didn't think you didn't give me the option, and you already have decided what kind of lifestyle that I'm living with my child. And I I have outlets. I have someone that can babysit. My husband will stay home. most Like, most nights my husband's like, I am good right here. And when he wants to go out, it's something he says in advance, and he's like, yeah, babe, I'm going to go out this night. And then I know, great, if I really want to go, we'll get a babysitter, or I'll stay home. But when your friends take that option away from you, because they just assume that you're now like, you know, at home, yeah. baking cookies. I ain't baking
0: cookies. Which is also their expectation of motherhood. Right. Because no of, one's telling
2: them. I can't, them. Bake. Yeah. <laughs> see, I can't bake. I And I guess because I know that I have been that person before of like... So my thing is, is, first of all, if we are friends, girl, if you see us, hit me up. Hey, what guacamole bar are you at? Because I have a babysitter tonight. Come on and come. Th- oh, okay, cool. So I don't fault people for that because I do know, given the option a lot of times I am not going to come, not because I'm home baking cookies, but because I like giving my son a bath. And it's fun. And there's only a certain amount of time when he's still going to like splashing around in the bathtub Mm -hmm. with me there. Um, And also, I'm trying to work on some, you know, Antonia stuff. So when I do give him a bath and get him to bed by 7, I'm like, okay, cool. This gives me about three hours where I can bang out things that I need to get done. So it's... I was a lot of fun single. I I think I'm still fun. I still have it in me, but I'm a lot more selective. Like, it has. I'm a lot less up for the random fun night that just happens to evolve because I'm like, well, if I'm going to be away from my kid and my family, I want it to be something where... It's spectacular. It's, it's, it's spectacular <laughs> and it's kind of worth the time away because also I have a one-year-old, so I'm also tired all the time too. So it's a question not of just like... Kid versus fun. It's like kid versus fun versus naps. And naps are glorious. Naps are fun. Naps are so (laughs) much fun. I had a good nap on yesterday. Oh, it was great. (laughs) Like, I did some of my best work. I was like, that was amazing. That makes me so happy because I...
0: I, I love naps, and I'm worried that I'm not going to have them when I have kids. No, no, no. You'll so have are, them. Okay, you'll cool. have them. You'll have them.
2: All right. They'll be a little different, but and they won't come as often. Often, But when you have them, you, you and, sleep, and you, sleep, you will. Because I nap before them. I got here, and I feel refreshed. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> go take naps. as many naps yeah. as you can. Like, if you have an option between doing something completely random, like, oh, I should go to the bodega and get some cheeses, because Jerome Thel was talking about he might come watch the game with his girl, Kelsey, and he really, don't go get don't, cheeses. <laughs> Lay down. Take a that, <laughs> I think back of all the naps I could have taken, I didn't take. <laughs> I took. Naps. Those are
1: your biggest regrets? No, I took.
2: And naps. I took them. I took but I'm nap- like, mm, I was lonely. Gave them two. I could have gotten an extra hour in there. <laughs> you guys are so funny. I did. T-
1: I took naps, but to y- I get Antonio's point, and I think for me, it's not so much that, you know, I can do all. I can still put her to bed and still go out and still come back and figure something out. I just think there's a time where if your friends start to think about you as not being available anymore. And I would rather, and I, I guess I was like this even when I was single, I'd rather you invite me and I decline, and you don't invite me at all. Yeah. Cause now I'm like that's shade. Was <laughs> that something that
0: happened shade. like when you were married more or when you became a mom more like this idea that you're not available?
1: It happened when I when we, when we became a mom. Because yeah. when I was married, um my biggest thing getting married and, and which was also a transition is that I'd lived in the city since I, you know, came back to New York to finish high school or whatever and, and through college and I've just been, I lived that single in the city lifestyle. And when I got engaged, my husband, who is a suburbanite, is in his blood. Something I don't know. I, I, I should have got a DNA test on that. <laughs> One of those blood tests when you get before you get married, that certificate you should find out if someone's a suburbanite. <laughs> anyway, my husband is like a suburbanite and so he was like, I'm not living in the city. I got a garage. And I was like, what does that mean? What, why do you need a garage? I live across the street from the Brooklyn Museum. Why are we moving? And he was like, your rent's too damn high, <laughs> and there's no parking. So I end up moving to New Jersey as a newlywed. And that was probably one of the challenges in our marriage, or it for me, was... I now was, I was not, not so much that I wasn't getting invited. I just wasn't physically available the way I was when I was single or when I, when we were living in the city. And so when I had the baby, then it became, well, she wasn't available then. She probably ain't going to come now. And so I just lost all my invites. <laughs> and so now I'm working my way up. So if okay. you hear this, I'm on the invites. I <laughs> You're be open for invites list. now. I want to be on the list.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, how long did you guys wait before you decided to have kids? Um, so again, our story is atypical. Um, we had Tyson in April and got married in August. So I've never had the experience of being married without children. Okay. Um we have uh been married about six, seven months and my son's about to be a year. So um but I mean technically we waited a really long time before say, doing any of those things because we've forever. been together for a very long time. Yeah. Um But and and I certainly don't regret it, although I do think there might have been had we gotten married, you know, two years earlier, like I would have had my son at the same time and age because this was kind of the first moment in life where I had done enough of what I wanted to do for me, where I felt like I could Mm -hmm. give everything to someone else the way that you have to when you have children. But it would like it had we gotten married, you know, two years earlier. I probably would have had them at the same time and just enjoyed, you know, two years of newlywed dumb and, you know, traveling a little bit more and um, just kind of coming into each other as a unit more without that other person. Like he's yeah. kind of forced us to really reckon with and sit and operate as a unit. we are a unit of three now. So it's not about. And although we were together for a very long time, we were two individuals who had chosen to be together Mm -hmm. and we worked around it that way. So it was like, oh, okay, you're going to Miami this weekend. Cool. I'll find me something to do. But now it's like I don't personally have an objection with you going to Miami, but it's is that the right thing for our family, family for you to be going to Miami right now? And that has been an adjustment for both of us in both ways. Like I've always made career decisions based off of what personally makes sense for me and what I'm personally interested in. And now it's a question of, okay, where do we need to be? Who got the better insurance? Who's got the bet? Like they're tactical questions that I never imagined would be such an influence over life decisions.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a very great point because it's the same thing. We got we and you know, we were married. So we I think we waited about four or five years, four years into it, and that we waited because we needed to get settled. We needed to finish a lot of things that he had set out to do professionally, and that I was doing, um, and we also just wanted to be in the in a right space and get and get. And get our unit together. So, we created a rhythm. And so, once we had our rhythm, it made sense for us to try. And then, when we tried, we couldn't have it. And so, then that created another layer of stress that you're like, oh God, <laughs> we wait. Should we not have waited? Should we, sh- all these other things? And then, when she came in, it was, I think we had her at the right time for us because we were, to, to Antonia's point, we already had a rhythm. And so we just added her in, made some s- tweaks to it, and now we're a unit of three. We function in that space. We're making those decisions. But as a, as a social entrepreneur, the conversation comes up now is that the decisions I was making to pursue um, my my career in one way, how does that affect this now, this unit of three? And this, especially this one particular person in this unit who needs the most. And so those conversations are now coming up. Who has a better insurance? Who has insurance? Right. (laughs) Who's doing this? (laughs) Who's doing that? And do you, you know, can you leave for six months to go to Africa and produce a bunch of health fairs? Does that make sense for your family? Old Nana, married or single, would have been out, gone. Married... Mommy Nana has to really think about that and make decisions accordingly because it doesn't work for her family to yeah. to just up and leave like that.
0: When you guys are talking about the rhythm, like, how did you create it? Is it something that you guys were having active conversations, or it was just like living, and that rhythm came together? Like, it sounds very beautiful. It sounds like you know for, awesome. Know but how beautiful. do you? I
1: think for us, it was just it was what we lived in. You know the rhythm we had as married couple was respectful, and so you know, to, like Antonia says, it's you want to go somewhere that's dope. Let me know, and that's in how long you gone, and I'm not gonna ever stop you from doing something that's gonna make you happy. Do it, be excited. I want that same respect when it's my turn, and or when I decide to do something, and it was never tit for a tat. Like he went to Miami, so I'm going to Vegas. No, it was just it's just like to, an, innate right. it was just an innate part of your relationship. Part of the mm-hmm. relationship, and so then when a third person comes in, you now. Are part of that same, especially if you have a partner, which I'm. I, I get the the vibe that we both have the same kind of involved partner who Absolutely. is like, and so it's like, well, what time is school? What time is a doctor's appointment? What time is this? Well, I got the time off, or I got, you know, I can take. I, I don't have this meeting. I could do this meeting by phone. So I'll take it to the doctor while you do this, and we just it just was fluid and it just worked itself out. So it's nef- nothing that we had to um. We we had to get a you know a dry erase board or anything. <laughs> we just <laughs> text me and right. tell you what time the doctor's appointment is. Right. I so.
2: mean, we just kind of fell into the rhythm that works for us as we grew up together in this relationship together and understanding. Again, it's not tit for tat, but that was never the nature of the relationship. Of the relationship. Exactly. So for that to emerge would have been really, if it had emerged on either side, somebody would have been like, whoa, 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 what <laughs> who you are you doing? Like, like, who this are is- you? <laughs> This ain't it. Um, so it just, our rhythm fell in kind of naturally. I will say having the baby, it was a little more of a challenge and in, in intentional in certain ways in being like, okay, we both work. We both need these jobs. We both have to get, you know, out of the door and to these offices in a reasonable time. So what does that look like in the morning? So mm-hmm. that means, okay. Somebody's got to be with the baby, so while he's, you know, watching Dora, I'm packing the lunch together, but you're getting him dressed. So it was one of those things that sometimes it got intentional where I'm like, babe, I need you to wake up and get him dressed. But after, you know, two or three days, oh, okay, this is the this is my part. Yeah. Okay, it's the end of the day. I've picked him up and put him to bed. I made dinner, but now you got to handle these dishes because he's going to need bottles. Like, he needs clean bottles to go back to daycare mm-hmm. with the next day. So it's... It was a matter of and those were things that I didn't stress about. I'm like, okay, yeah, I cooked, you do the dishes, but if you didn't do them the night of, I don't really care. Do the dish just, just you know, get do the dishes them. Done. I don't do them. Now it's more like, okay, these dishes need to be done. And I was never the kind of person that liked doing dishes. I still don't like it, but I like my kitchen being clean. So a lot of times I end up doing them because I'd rather just have the kitchen be clean than have to remind somebody to do something two or three times cuz it's just
1: not, not part it. of my personality
2: yeah. Yeah. and nagging someone is never the way to get it done. Um so there are certain parts <laughs> where <laughs> I'm just like, look. <laughs> well, it sounds like with your
0: relationships like maybe this is a difference from like being a single woman to married to motherhood. It seems to be like way more process focused, like we have to get this done or else the rhythm just
2: That is the thing, to Nana's point, I wish someone had told me how much of being married and having a family is being co-workers mm-hmm. or being teammates and not teammates in the like, you know, oh, we're all in this together. But truly, like, you got the trash. I got the this. And like, if you
1: don't get the trash, you're going to mess up my flow because now I got to spend more. I've got to do these dishes faster. Get the trash out because I don't want to all these little things. It's the yeah. little stuff. It's yeah. like
2: if you don't get the trash, when I come home, it's going to smell like poop. I don't want to walk into my house and my house smells like poop. I mean, like that's uh, it. It's part. If so you it, don't
1: get this diaper genie, I swear. <laughs> right?
2: So like nobody tells you how much of it is. Yes, having a life partner and being married to your best and friend and seeing your, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. seeing part of you and part of him and another person. All that beautiful lifetime movie, Goo Goo Gaga, soft and Take pink out shit. The trash. That's wonderful. But part of it is truly just imagine being co-workers and your job is to live and run a house together so some of it is you got to get toothpaste because we're out of toothpaste you got to pick him up from here because we need this take out the trash if you see something on the counter wipe it up like you're not getting credit for it nobody's about to rub your feet because you did it it's just like pulling your own weight yeah yeah yeah. and i
0: think like what you were guys were saying (laughs) earlier about like Social media uh, depictions of like relationships yeah, and all those, that stuff the, like the, it's all the gram all... is the devil. Yeah. <laughs> and uh,
1: well,
2: like I'm and
0: glad that we're having this conversation about like the realities of mm, being in yeah. a, a relationship. Yeah, the reality is mundane
2: and uninteresting as hell, and
1: not worth and not worth snapchatting about. <laughs> not worth Snapchat. Not worth the gram. So the fact that
0: y'all are on Snapchat. I'm not. Okay, I am. I love me Because I don't know how Snapchat works, lives but... and dies
1: off of Snapchat. Like, <laughs> and she's probably gonna. I don't know if I'm myself to listen to this, but she was <laughs> this. Easter weekend, we were trying to take a family picture, and the guy, the person taking the picture for us, was like, "Oh, Snapchat!" And we were like, "Come on, <laughs> I love some snaps." What it's is like Snapchat? I, I real life TV of other, of people you know. So what is it? Just thirty seconds, or what
2: is if it? You get either pictures or fifteen-second videos. I've snapped like twice since I've been here. <laughs> yeah, I snapped a picture of this microphone with the caption "Spitting these bars." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I yes. Want, I, I microphone one check two. one two. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yes. I what, what? <laughs> I'm all about a Snapchat. Okay, so you're going to teach me how to snap Yeah, I was, no, no, that'll brain, be a snap. Snapchat. That'll be a tutorial after But, that. like, I snap my baby sometimes, and people hit me like, oh, my God, he's so cute. I'm like, half the time when I'm Snapchatting him is because he is wearing me out. Oh. So I'm like, here, look, something to distract you for a minute or two so <laughs> I can just, like drink this water without you <laughs> trying to snatch the cup out of my hand
1: oh man mine is wine but you know whatever water <laughs> <wine>. <laughs> well,
0: is there any any last thing that you want to to share about your transition from single to married to motherhood
1: for me the motherhood part like it's okay to moms I mean I think the thing I would ever say to anyone is that it's okay to be overwhelmed and it's, it doesn't make you a bad mother. It doesn't mean you don't have it together. It's just all mothers, regardless if you see them on the gram or whatever, are have moments of being extremely overwhelmed and literally want. For me, there were lots of moments, even as with a toddler, of wanting to walk into a corner. And I would be like, I'm going to give myself corner time. You actually can continue to tear this place apart. <laughs> I'm going to go stand in a corner and face the wall because I need to get my life together. <laughs> I'm falling apart. You are good tearing my whole house apart i'm in the corner facing the wall but it's okay and i'm only just starting to come to the space where i'm like it's okay to be overwhelmed it's okay to say that you're overwhelmed and it's okay to ask for help whether from your partner from your girlfriend from your friend whomever it is it's okay to just be like yo it's just crazy uh-huh
0: so good yeah i'm just now getting to that point yeah. where it's like it's okay <laughs> like that i don't have the, all, all the answers about like yeah. what i want my life to look like
2: you do i don't know yeah <laughs> it's okay no. to say i don't know
0: yeah <laughs> Antonia?
2: I would say um, it's okay to be on autopilot a little bit. Like, a lot of, I found uh, c- coming up on this first year that a lot of motherhood is just putting one foot, foot in, in front of foot, the yeah. other and just being like, you know, I, I'm going to get through this day. Like, I'm just going to get through this day. And then you go to sleep and you wake up and you do the same thing again. But eventually, what happens, you have this newborn who's attached to you physically mm-hmm. every two hours. Oh. At best, because sometimes it's, you know, every hour and a half, sometimes it's every hour because they fall asleep and then they wake up and they realize they're so hungry so you can't do anything. But you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and eventually they get a little older and they sleep a little longer and they eat a little more and then you get to the point where you kind of feel like, I can breathe. But I tell my husband all the time, like, I look, think back to the days when I had gone back to work, but the baby was like 13, 14 weeks old, not sleeping through the night, waking up every two hours screaming, needing to be held. And I'm like I said, I like naps. I like sleep. I slept nine hours consistently before I had kids. That was my normal sleep rhythm. Jeez. And for me to be getting up and going to work after being interrupted in sleep, like every 90 minutes, for six hours at best, I don't know how I ha- I don't know how it happened. It sounds like torture if you told me how to do it again. Um, (laughs) But you just autopilot and the days go by fast and then it's a couple months and then they figure some stuff out a little bit and it gets a little easier and there's no date when all of a sudden they flip a switch and you're like, I have bits of my life back. But it's just little by little. The days get a little easier. You grab a little bit of yourself back. And I'm still obviously in the midst of it with an almost one year old, but... It gets there.
1: It gets there. And
2: it's okay to be like, I am overwhelmed. It is okay to be like, this person who I love more than anything is driving me up a damn wall. And if someone does not get this cute ass, screaming ass baby and take him somewhere. (laughs) Like there were times at like four in the morning, my husband be like, babe, just go lay on the sleep. (laughs) Just go lay on the couch, go to sleep. I got it. I got like, it. Yeah. So it's oh, it's okay to be like, you're the best thing that ever happened in my life, but also the, in some ways the worst. Like you've exploded my life and things that I really, really liked and you've kind of ruined them and you've replaced them with other, other shit. Thing, and I'm learning how to like that other shit, but I, I liked what I was doing. Yeah. Like my life before was dope. And now all that, I don't, I'm like, oh. hey, where'd, yeah. it go? where'd it go? <laughs> where where are my pictures? <laughs> so yeah, autopilot is your friend, and it's okay to be a zombie and phone it in on some stuff and yeah. just just get through the day. Oh, man. Well, thank you guys for being so
0: honest. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank no, you. That's that's exactly what everyone needs to hear, that it is hard. It and is that hard. It, it's it, not Instagram. It's not, yeah. It is not Instagram. <laughs> well, on that uplifting note, <laughs> <laughs> let's go around the room and uh, tell everyone things that gave us life. Uh, Antonia. Oh. Things that have
2: given me life. This week. This week. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is going to be hard. It's pro- So, the things that have given me life have been kind of ratchet. Is no, that okay? no, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> you
1: better not take the one I'm thinking. That video
2: of Cat Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Honey. <laughs> that I... Oh my screamed God. and cried <laughs> laughing for a solid 48 hours. Oh, my God. I so loved laughing. it. I just watched the And it then well the follow-up video where the boy is like... There's a follow-up? Yes. So he gets interviewed by the news. Oh, my God. And they're asking his opinion. And he's like, you know, Jesus would have said, turn the other cheek. Sorry to say, I ain't Jesus. Holler <laughs> gave me all kinds of life.
0: He had such good comedic timing. Uh, like, it was just who so. Who is
2: that little boy? I don't know. He is what? apparently a terror and a menace. <laughs> but <What? laughs> the, the video was a shining beacon oh my God. of joy oh. in my Instagram feed, and oh I lived God. for it. And the other thing that gave me life, oh um, was the Love and Hip Hop reunion no, last week with Cardi one. B? Oh, I Cardi, love me some oh Cardi B. Gosh. Cardi B
1: gave me life. That's mine. I, Cardi okay, B, we're kindred spirits. Yeah. Cardi B, Cardi B, not the, not the Love and Hip Hop, but the, the sneak peek into the next one when Cardi B kills Peter Guns, yes. when she brutalizes him and beats the crap out of him verbally. <laughs> Was everything I ever wanted because it was everything that I had thought in my mind throughout watching The Love and Hip, because I do watch it. Yeah. I I'm not afraid. Yeah, I and I was just like, praise God, she said it, and she said it in such a way that I've just watched it a few times, <laughs> just been like. Cardi B for president. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> She's got my vote. Cardi I mean... B for president. I'm starting a campaign, Cardi. I got
0: you, girl. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I cannot wait to watch that. But
1: that video is everything. She kills Peter Guns. She was just like, I mean, like, really, Peter Guns. Honestly, really, you can't be serious. Yeah. You can't be serious with your life. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be.
0: Well, dang. I feel like I, I should, like, you should join
1: the Ratchet. Yeah, I should, but I like you, you guys both <laughs> You guys both said what I was thinking though. <laughs> like
0: Gosh. Well, I'll I'll end on a on a like black girl magic moment. Oh Lord. Amen for black girl <laughs> magic. Right after I was Ratchet. Magical. <laughs> no, but I really liked um, you know, during the podcast we take breaks just to like these headphones get really hot and itchy. <laughs> like you want to like, I wear big earrings. So I just want to adjust them real quick before we get back into the main topic. But um, these last few recordings, during the break, there's always some connection that happened with the guest or with me where, you know, business cards are being traded. Ideas are being shared. And I really, really like uh, being in a space where black women are collaborating together and finding each other and thinking about ways that they can work together to yeah. keep building something. Uh, Beautiful. So I'm really excited that you two met met each other. So real. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we'll be on on the lookout for what you guys are coming up with next. And on that note, can you guys tell us where people can find you on the internet um, or learn more about the work that you do?
1: Um, I am on Instagram as nison, as well as, and that's my personal. So that's where you'll see pictures of my kid and what I made for dinner. But if you want to know what we're doing programmatically with African Health Now, then we are on Instagram at, at @africanhealthnw. Um and I'm on I guess I'm on Facebook and I have a website, yeah, which is www.africanhealthnow.org. Don't tell anyone I'm this ratchet. <laughs> I might not get picked for the World Economic Forum. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want them to know I'm rich. We won't tell. We won't tell.
2: Um, So uh, in addition to my day job, I have just launched um, a marketing and strategy consultancy that focuses on training and empowering small business owners and entrepreneurs, um, teaching them... uh, the fundamentals and key levers of marketing and strategy and empowering them to apply it to their own business. So you can find me online at buildandgrowharlem.com. I would go there. Uh, We talked about Snapchat, but I'm going to be honest, I don't know my Snapchat name, so can't share (laughs) that with you. Um, And it's probably not listed under Antonia Dean, so I signed up once, don't remember what I put in. (laughs) But, yes, definitely stay in touch with me, um, buildandgrowharlem.com, and I'm on Twitter at... um, at Antonia Inc. Awesome. So thank you guys for listening. You can follow Modern Mia on Facebook, Twitter, and
0: Instagram at Modern Mia. That's M-A-T-E-R-M-E-A. And if you have a topic idea you'd like us to discuss, you can email me at info at ModernMia.com. Thanks, and we'll see you guys next week.